back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Welcome from me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP Cast, brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. Now, our guest this time out is a Great Britain men's international who's been one of our leading lights in the game in recent years. He's also a new dad, so I've no real idea if he's going to be able to talk coherently in less than three hours of sleep, but we're very glad he's escaped and happy changing to make time for us. Ashley Hamilton, welcome to the MVP cast. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm, you know, I'm excited to be here. It's a nice intro. Firstly, new parenthood. The magnificently named Acehar has uh, daddyhood reshaped your life. Um, it's been, it's been, it's been a blessing, man. It came out. Um, a difficult time of life, obviously, because um, you know what was happening with the Royals. Like life is funny. Like whenever you feel like you have everything sorted and you feel like you're ready to elevate and you know do things, you know things will happen. Like things get thrown at you. So um, at first when you know when my girlfriend got pregnant, everything was kind of like you know, we were in a situation where like okay we're at home, we're settled, have a long term deal here, whatever you know it's it's, it's gonna be good. And then um everything kind of just got swept from underneath our feet so just dealing with that you know um it was nice when he came it was like um a sigh of relief it was like a sigh of fresh air like a breath of fresh air there, there that's what i was looking for just to kind of show you that you know no matter what how, whatever you're going through there's always positives that come out of it and um yeah and here we are seven and a half months later he's learning how to move around calling he's making noises like he's trying to talk to you um yeah i mean it, just to see the development over the over the months over covid you know he's traveled a bunch he's with me in spain it's been amazing it's been amazing it's definitely it puts a lot of, a lot of stuff into perspective you know really lets you gives you another way to connect with a lot of other dads you never really understand another dad until you become a dad you know you can just support and yeah i'm just very i'm very happy that this is that's another thing I could say I am now. Like, you know, I'm a dad and I'm very proud of it. I mean, lockdown for, for so many people has, has been meant different things and different challenges. And I, I, I think the, probably you would agree with me. Having a small child at home is a nice way to be occupied during the past few months rather than sitting around just watching YouTube or whatever. But mm. you've you've been quite busy during lockdown and you've made other big changes yeah. in, in your life. And it, out of this has emerged... Ashley Hamilton, entrepreneur, social yeah. media guru, and you've set up yeah. your own company. I mean, AGP Media, and to, to quote back your tagline, we help brands grow on Instagram. Yeah. So where, tell us about this in terms of you know offshoot from from your basketball brand. Where did all this come from? Where's the interest here? Well, the top, well, I actually started my company. I, I I registered my company um when I came home with the Royals. You know, part of, part of my deal with the Royals was. I was going to be, you know, given, you know, assistance in starting and building my brand, building, fleshing out some ideas I've had in the past or whatever. And um, obviously all that just took a back seat. So basically COVID and the lockdown allowed me to focus on aspects of 
my company aspects of my ideas that could benefit other people and that's that's what led into the social media aspect of it basically and um I just kind of like um the way I looked at it was a lot of a lot of my peers a lot of guys who play basketball number one like that's all we do that's all we really have going <laughs> well that's all not all we have going for us because we, we have a lot more going for us than that but like it's hard for us to understand like um how people make a living in the real world, I guess, and um, in other aspects, and how do we fit into that? And part of that is your brand, part of that is how you interact with other people, part of that is how, you know, you set yourself up whilst you're playing basketball, and it's easier to start doing that if you, when you're playing basketball rather than finish, and then, you know, you go on the line to people like, oh, can you give me a shot? I used to play basketball. You know, that if you... The, the the whole premise of it is like you want to provide value to other people that like you want to be seen as someone who can provide value to someone else's business to someone else's company or whatever so you can you know find something for yourself at the end of it and um yeah i just took the social media to get the message out and um yeah i mean at the moment i've been helping some brands with their social media how to you know get more attention to boast of their bottom lines or to you know whatever you're trying to do whatever you're trying to get attention to and um yeah just it's all it's all step-by-step process and the first step was to show that i have some competence with social media and i know what to do with that i've been doing it behind closed doors for for years but um yeah i just had the time to do it so i did it how as an athlete when you, you you talk about brand i mean you know brand means lots of different things to, to different people but when you step yeah. back from this and you're looking at your own brand yeah. how how do you try and project that i mean you're really consciously trying to do it rather than just posting whatever photo that you happen to have from that day on, on your phone onto, onto instagram or twitter or whatever but how do you how have you stepped back and said this is the brand i want to build for myself and of myself well, um, I mean, I guess, I guess the easiest way for me to explain it is how to um, explain it to anyone that I'm working with or anyone that anyone of my peers or anyone who asks me a question about it, and that is, um, you literally just have to be yourself. Like when I think about like your brand, I, I say your brand is your reputation. Like you already have a brand before you tell people you have a brand, a, a personal brand that is. And I've always wanted mine to be one of integrity, you know, hard work um and ambition and i tried to carry that with my everyday life so the the stuff that you're putting out there that and it happened we, we all become a victim to it we all fall victim to it you know like when i first start like over the years when i was using social media i didn't really have an end goal in mind i didn't really i wasn't really thinking life after basketball i wasn't really thinking you know whatever and you just throw pictures up or you know you just you just moving without a direction really now, when you when you got your brand when you got your brand in mind and what you want your brand to say about you, what your brand messages and your goals or whatever your aspirations, if you've got that written down and you understand what what it's supposed to look like and what what you're going after, then you can start to consciously build towards that. And that's really what I did, and and I feel like the best way to do it is for yourself, really. And if you wanna. If you want to get to the point where you're helping other people do it, then you have to show that you are doing it yourself. And yeah, that's just how it kind of happened. How does that shape, or how is, how do you come at this from the position of an athlete? Because we've seen, you know, obviously some athletes have agencies, 
doing this for them it's 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 a big business they are genuine influencers out, out in the market and other athletes are you know, doing that themselves how, how when you've looked at the sector if i can put it that way what's the kind of do's and don'ts that you see when you look at other people who are doing this you know it might be basketballers might be footballers whatever but how how can you be effective and how can you get it wrong um, you, you can definitely you can definitely get it wrong. You get it wrong by again being inauthentic. You can get it wrong by portraying something that you are not, or portraying a model that is unrealistic for you to follow. Now, <clears throat> if you look at guys from the UK, for instance, and basketball players in general, like there's not really a set model for someone to follow in, like you know, building a personal brand. Because quite quite honestly, like as athletes. Like it's a gift and a curse because, you know, as you start uh, you start rising up in the ranks, you go to you know an institution here or you play for this team or whatever, and they have a social media team or they have you know depending on the team or depending on how how clued in the team is on this or that. Like I remember when I went to the states, like we had media days and whatever, and if you look at the highest levels, like. The NBA, they have media days, they have media teams, they have media programs. So athletes, it's something that we don't necessarily think about ourselves and it's something that we don't necessarily go about doing. So now, for instance, like some of the biggest bands in the NBA, like if you say if someone like LeBron James, for instance, like a kid from the UK cannot model their brand on the LeBron James blueprint because it's impossible. Do you know what I mean? So... Like going about it in the wrong way, like you're going about it the wrong way if you're acting like you are LeBron James, if you're acting like you have everything figured out, if you're acting like you know exactly what to do. It's more about documenting the journey and being honest and truthful throughout it. And, and you, on that journey, you will pick up things that, you know, people relate to and that your audience, you know, comes to you for. So it's more. I, I always tell people document rather than rather than act like you have the final product there document the journey talk about the journey talk about what you know the ups and downs and difficulties and that way people relate to you how easy or difficult though is that in the relatively small world of british basketball where you know, it's not lebron as you, as you said and yeah but there there is a huge value and I, don't, I suppose with that comes responsibility for someone like yourself for leading players to kind of provide that aspiration value for those who might wish to follow in your footsteps who you want to to understand what what you go through about what your processes is i mean do you do you take that or sense that feedback from what people are looking for you do you seek it out i mean what's been the sort of process for sort of getting a feel for what people want or need from you and what obviously what you want to give back in return well um i don't necessarily look at it like as what would i get back in return because part of me building my brand has been um giving giving away help for free really and um even like say the social media thing like I don't necessarily want to be like a social media guru or just in the future, just be teaching people how to use social media. But the, the way I was able to build my clientele was by helping people for free. And it's the same with this. It's like um, in, the, in the basketball world, like you said, that the, the British basketball world is relatively small, you know? So you have to figure out, like, you have to think to yourself, like, what 
how can you benefit the British basketball world? And uh, what a lot of guys are looking for is opportunities outside of their sport. Now, the UK, in my opinion, like from what I've seen over the last five, six years, like whenever the marketing is done the right way, whenever the advertising is there, like whenever people know about it, people come out and they support basketball. People have always supported basketball in this country. They just have to know about it. And me, from my experience, like from my friends and family, people, people that know my friends and family, acquaintances, that everyone's interested in my, in me, in my journey, what I've been through, what I've done. It's just they don't tend to know about it. So a big part of it, a big part of it is understanding how the stuff, the things that you've done on you in your life and your journey, how they translate to the real world, how they translate to other people you know what can other people what inspiration can other people find from some of the things that you've been through and etc etc and when you when you're able to answer those questions tangibly and and like i said write them down and you have you know you can put them out there and you can relate them to what another guy does in his work or in his field of work or what what this woman does in her field of work it, everything connects and that's how you marry the british basketball world to to just the public is there also that care or risk that you take though from being out there that I suppose it's easy to call it trolling, but you know that that there is that management and some particularly younger athletes really struggle with this in terms of you you give people a way to interact with you publicly. There are so many positives from that, but there is the dark side. Have have you had to deal with that, and have you found mechanisms to to kind of process that properly? Well, um, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't expect my social media page to go the way it it, it did over the, over over the pandemic. But um, with that, it did mean that there was some trolling going on. And um, yeah, I mean, I I I've never seen it as a any kind of negative way. I I figured that if you're not getting trolled, if you don't get any hate from people, then um. You're, you're not doing anything. You're not doing any good. So that's 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 one that's one of my approaches to things and how I've always been. And I, I, don't, I don't really care, me personally. I, I feel like the fact that I am an athlete and the fact that I have gone through so much adversity and I've had to, I've had to deal with real life children, like on the court, you know, um, cards making fun of the fact that you know my name is a unisex name and they're trying to just like 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 legit <laughs> children not just children like behind the keyboard like like children to your face do you know what i mean so and um i i feel like again like the normal what i've been written about in publications it's not always been positive you know or like you know my ups and my highs and my lows are recorded for everyone to see and to comment about and things of that nature so again that's that comes from being an athlete and and on my experiences as an athlete and you know it would be it would be um incumbent of me to shy away from that rather than to lean into it so that's why you know i feel like you just understand like the better you do there is going to be more children and there is that there definitely is that element of it but you know when you're when when the majority of what you do is 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 positive is giving stuff to people you know for the benefit for the betterment of that of, of hopefully for them then um you know it's hard you don't get too much of it i'm not i'm not i'm not out there acting like uh, i'm better than people or i've got everything figured out or whatever it's just you know i'm just out there trying to help 
So yes, there has been some choning, but there hasn't been an unfathomable amount of it. So maybe maybe when that maybe when that devil comes up, I'm gonna have to re re reassess and and deal with it then. But I'm you know I haven't had to deal with too much of it. I mean, the best sporting brands and the individuals, teams, leagues, etc., are very switched on and social. You know, they know that that can extend their reach far beyond the audience that might see them on television or read about them in a you know text format and, and websites or whatever. But you look at British basketball, yeah, and with a few exceptions, we can people people like Hoops Fix and and others. Yeah, it's not that clever. Yeah, there, there, there are smart people like Joe Pynchon at Leicester, sadly departed from Leicester. Genius and has now gone on to the Chicago Bulls. But yeah. you feel that this is a sport that could do a lot better in selling itself to a different audience on social. Is From a player's point of view, give us a perspective. Is that the case? How would you fix it if you were the, the social media supremo? Well, I mean, I would have, I would, I've told a few people I would invest in players. I would invest in players and, and their knowledge of the situation. So let's say someone like Joe, Right, um, Joe's been around for years, but um, now that he's with the Chicago Bulls, I'm sure he's getting a lot more interest from certain people than he was before. Whereas, and and like, cash, let's be honest, probably and cash too. And cash, and cash too. <laughs> but like, like, it's like um, and, and cash, yeah, of course. But um, it's like um, like, if say if you invest in the players and you, and you help them understand, like, listen, you can't go about this how. Other people go about it. We're not. We're not. We're not. The, we're not the states. We're not Spain. We're not Lithuania. We're not any of these. Our basketball culture is not at a point where, you know, that like simply you being an athlete and you working hard and working your game is going to be enough to get your name out there or to help you achieve things or you know, put your put, whatever. It's not enough, right? So now, if you talk to people who are doing it, because there's plenty of people who are involved and switched on but if you learn how to talk to people interact with people ask questions whatever you know you can start to do some of this stuff for yourself and and build it and if you're if if you if like say for instance if the players are invested in that way and you know you help them market themselves better so and all that does is market the product a bit better and you know if you're if every player's community say if every player's community like just Everyone you know, on on their street knew that they played basketball or they played for the local team. I remember, I remember when I played for the Royals, like um, Royal Crystal Palace. Like no one around the area knew that there's a professional basketball team right there in the middle of Crystal Palace. You know, it's my it's that's that's one of the biggest problems if you want to extend the reach. So it's like you said, like some of the biggest brands and sporting teams, like they lean well into it because they know that's how they get their message out there to people. Do you feel there's a role for player? I mean, not just in terms of social media, but you know, we've, we've had other people on this podcast talk about this as well. Kieran Achara being one I you recall, but plenty others saying you know players are a great resource. You know, we understand the game. A lot of us have travelled to other countries. We've seen the culture that they build there. We've seen the way they market the sport. But yet, we're not involved. We're not engaged. We don't. You know, federations don't come to us. Governing bodies, leagues don't really come to us. Are you in that camp that says, you know, it, if if you let us help, we will help you? A bit like the way, you know, the NBA and its players association work hand in, in glove together. Are you talking about, you talking about the, the English? Yeah, in this country, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of problems with England basketball, for sure. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it, 
but um, I, I I would I personally, my own personal opinion is probably a lot of that is rooted in the fact that you know the majority of people in the UK have not been part of an, an elite organization or an elite you know basketball country where they do things in a certain type of way and they have a certain type of system. Like for instance, when I was when I went to Coruña in um December and my first game, I had to actually had to miss a game because the process of getting my release, you know, through England basketball, it was like it was a night it was a nightmare. Whereas like on the Spanish side it was like, you know, it's quick and instant and they were actually making the people there in Spain were making fun of like the fact that, you know, where I come from and <laughs> things like that. They were like, This would never happen with another country. What is going on there? Actually, you know, and I'm like I don't know, you know, and we had to go back and forth. My agent was calling people at England basketball and, you know, they would say, they were saying like, oh, no, well, we've done it. And they were like, no, you haven't done it because it's right there on the FIBA computer and it says you have to click a button. So we just go in the email and click a button. And it's just, it's things, it's just things like that, you know, like, now maybe that's because, you know, there isn't someone that's assigned to that position. It isn't whatever. Like, I don't want, I don't necessarily want to speak bad about England basketball or, the BBO or the GB organization because, you know, there's a lot of people that work very hard to put out the best product possible. But at the end of the day, if you don't know anybody, you can't do any better. So yeah, it might be a, it might be a situation where you help where you get people involved who have been there. And but then again, how do you know who's been there? And again, how do you know who's a guy person? And this is why I said it's so important as as players that we, you know, put our messages out there, put our voices out there, put our experiences out there, you know build something for ourselves, you know, so that we, so that when it is time to look at certain guys or bring someone in, it's like, mm, okay, well, maybe we should explore this person or explore this situation. This might make sense. They've done X, Y, Z, rather than the players coming into a situation where it's like, oh, no, well, I can help. You should let me, you should give me a shot because <laughs> I think I can help. And it's like, all right, well, what have you done? You know, like, and, and it's a lot of that. So it's, a, it's all about creating value for value. So I don't want to, like, like I said, I, don't, I never want to come down too hard on Basketball England or any of the federations here in the UK. But if you don't, can't do any, if you, if you don't know any better, you can't do any better. And the players, we need to do better ourselves. You've, aside from the, the social media spinoff, you've, you've got your own foundation now, which is very intriguing when looking at it. I mean, you, the, the, the scope of it is working with young athletes in, in Sierra yeah. Leone. I mean, tell me yeah. more about it. You know, why there and what, what's the focus? First of all, Sierra Leone, because that's where I'm from. That's where, um, that's where my parents were born. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a place that's very dear to my heart. I go back every single year. I haven't been able to go back this year because of COVID. And um, yeah, Sierra Leone, that's why it's in Sierra Leone. Now, the foundation has really been going on since I've been professional. It's all about um, it's all about building things back home. So it's about creating exit pathways for kids in Sierra Leone. Because quite often what happens is kids play sport, they have a talent in the sport, but because there's no way to use it to get to university or whatever, kids will stop playing their sport, drop out of school. And they end up shoveling sand in the beach. Now, when you're 13, 14 years old, a hundred pound a week for shoveling sand in the beach is a lot of money. But you know, when you have one, two kids, by the time you're 18, a hundred pounds doesn't, you know, doesn't do the same thing anymore. So, um, yeah, it's all about creating that. So, um, along with my mother, my father, they they actually building um 
you know, some 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 real estate in Sierra Leone. They've been my grandmother. She really started the culture of giving back through um all the stuff she does in Sierra Leone. And she lives in Sierra Leone, but what she does, she 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 gives young people opportunities through work to through work to get school and pay for and books and boards or that uh, and things like that. So what we want to do is just create opportunities, create exit pathways. So right now, we're starting slow. We just sponsor, sponsor the local football team and we provide scholarships for the kids that qualify for the scholarships by hitting certain academic milestones. And from there, we want to build on that. How, how does that, I guess, inspire you in a sense to do what you do on the court? Because, you know, it's, I was, I was sitting in judgment for a, a player award not not that long ago and one of the things that i was reading different submissions for this the okay. one thing that's sort of the barometer i guess in a way is that lots of people can write a check and it's very easy yeah. to write a check particularly if you're earning lots and lots and lots of money yeah. but it's also what you do is that's more hands-on what you're giving yourself i always find personally more impressive lovely though it is that people are prepared to give of, of their wealth mm-hmm. but how how much is is having something that you're clearly so invested in and so hands on, but you know, how much does does that, I guess, translate onto what you do in the court in terms of the motivation? You can see what other people are going through, and there's that maybe a drive to to be better at you know in every aspect of things. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm sure it ties in. I'm sure it ties in. I just know that for myself that. A, a, a big piece of it is that I know like everyone in Sierra Leone like they really care about what I do and they really care about what I'm going through and they support me fully so you know it inspires me to be the best I can at it you know and um it inspires me to do well because I don't want to like you know I don't want to let them down and um and I'm so much I'm so I'm so blessed compared to what the kids back home have you know whether things are going good for me, going bad for me, they don't care what level I'm playing at. You know, if I had a good game, bad game, like everyone, like is really excited that actually he's playing professional basketball. And um, yeah, so I'm gonna do well. I wanna do well, I wanna do well in that aspect. And the way I feel like the better I do in life, the more I can help. You know, like the more I can, the more scholarships that we can give out, the more you know, teams we can sponsor. One of our big goals is to go back and donate a basketball court, you know, and do that across a couple of courts. You know, we want to get to the point where we're inviting people from the UK and from the States and just from my network to Sierra Leone to see how amazing the country is and start making connections, you know, that way. So, um, you know, so I, I can't do that if I don't do well and if I'm not carrying myself in a certain way here because then people don't care and it's like oh well he's just talking nonsense isn't he <laughs> so i guess that's where i guess that's how it ties in wait i mean you say about going back every year i mean is is it nice to kind of keep those cultural ties because often you know you move to another country your parents come from somewhere you kind of just assimilate and you forget about it i mean you seem very very invested and emotionally connected to this place yeah i mean um super invested just um i guess that's down to my parents they always made sure that we you know we were my sister and i that is 
were connected to cereal. Um, a lot of my family is out here now in the UK, and they all speak Creole. They all speak the language. When they come over, they speak the language. My parents speak the language. I speak the language. My sister speaks the language. Um, yeah, it's just it just it just always been ingrained in us. And uh, we ne- we were never the type of people that wanted to kind of like get away from it or shy away from it or forget about it. And and you know, just me being who I am and the way, because of my. I've been fortunate enough to travel and see different parts of the world and see how things are done in different parts of the world. You know, it that's what gave me the idea to start a foundation. I was like, you know what, well, I can do something for this, especially when they started hearing that, you know, I play basketball and a lot of people love basketball back in Sierra Leone, but they didn't have the, don't have the equipment or they don't, you know, the, the football team didn't have any, any boots or, you know, um, just small stuff and, you know, we can make it happen and then we'll make it happen. So, it's just a way for us to, you know, not come home empty-handed, if that makes sense. Because when we come home, you know, you can go home, you live a good life, and it's beautiful, and you take it in. But you want to go home, and you want to leave it a little bit better than, than it was before. I sense we've been joined by Young Ace, who's our youngest guest yeah, ever on the podcast. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? He's, you know, seven and a half months. He's playing. He's got his little teddy bear. <laughs> He's right here. He's about, you know, he's listening. So he, he, he's, I mean, that's another, that's another, that's another big motivation for me because, you know, like the way I talked to my mum one time because um, the way I know Sierra Leone is when I go there, like we have our house there where my grandma lives and she's got her compound and the way everything runs is through there and wherever, you know, and, and my parents go back and they have that also. But eventually I want there to be something when we go back, so the ace has something too. So he has the same type of connection to Sergio and feels the same type of connection and, and you know, wants to do well for Sergio and also because, you know, without that, without that connection, then he might not feel the same way about the country that, that I feel. So I want to try and build, that's another incentive for me to build something tangible there for him. I mean, talking of parenting, let's talk basketball a little bit as well here. I mean, you, you're not 31, you've got a child. How does that affect your summer when you've got offers and you're fielding offers from your agent and it's different places in Europe? How does that affect now that the way that you go or you way that you will go about picking your next employer? I mean, um, it's just it's, it's a lot of factors that come together. Um, it's experience. It's about how the people talk to me. You know how they, how they um, do I feel that they care about things that I deal with? You know things I care about. Um, for instance, when I went to Colonia, you know they they started courting me in like end of November, and at first I was like, well, I might have a son in December, so I won't be there till January. And they were like, we'll fly you back. Just can you just come out for like a week or two, and then we'll fly you back. No issue. And it's just it's just how how do they care? Does the employer care about what's going on in my life? Because quite honestly, basketball is not the most important thing in my life anymore. And um, I'm here, and it's just, it's just that's the bottom line of it. Or or like you know, if I I, I get a lot of offers in South America and places like that, but I don't want to be that far away. So you know, I, I take that into consideration. Um. I just yeah a big part of it is like how is this gonna affect my son 
how's this gonna affect my girlfriend? And um, if I don't feel like the three things match up, basketball, my son and my girlfriend, then, you know, then that situation is not the right situation for me, pure and simple. So if the odds are you playing in the BBL this coming season? Um, it's possible. <laughs> it possible because, because obviously the BBL allows me a lot, allows a lot of those things to come together. But then again, you have to think about the organisation that you're playing for and, you know, things like that. And then, you know, I've had my qualms with the BBL. You know, I don't think they're completely... Not at fault. I think that I, I forgot the word. I, I don't think they're completely, you know, innocent with the with the royal situation. But you know, that's a story for another day. But you know, in the day, I want the BBL to be an amazing league. And if I could come back and play at home, I'll come back and play at home. But you know, we'll see. So, I mean, I ask you about the rules. I mean, you're setting aside all the, the contractual stuff, which you know is still floating in the background in lots of ways. But you know, you guys were quite emotionally invested with that. With with. Matthew Barnamian with Jay Williams. It, it, there was a kind of project there. I remember speaking to you after that trophy final win in Glasgow, and it, you know you were. It, it felt like you know there was something big growing, and it was you know it was something you were all a part of because you were there from the from ground zero. What was the emotion when it kind of evaporated the way that it did? I mean, it was um, it was it was it was heartbreaking to be honest with you, just because it. it it seemed like everyone was there to build something rather than rather than take take what you can from it and, and get out. You know, it wasn't that's that's not that's not what the goal of it. The goal of it was to to help the league, you know, to to have a team that potentially could play in Europe after three, four years. Um, you know, just things like that, you know, just to slowly start, you know, helping everything build up and um yeah, and you can only build if everyone, especially in the team sport, like one of the big things we always talked about, like before any contracts were signed or whatever, is that you know it's it's way it's it's way bigger than the players, you know, like you win from the top down, and that's with management, you know, and you know that's why it's so important the way you do carry yourself, the way you talk to other people, the way you talk to people at Crystal Palace and things like that, you know, that like they have to, you, they, everyone has to be involved with it and. If you're not taking care of people the right way, it's not gonna work. And so when you start when you start to see the cracks and seeing that not everyone was on the same page, you know, it was it was very sad, it was heartbreaking because a lot of people had, you know, given up a lot to be a part of it and a lot of people were working very hard to make it happen. What's it like viewing the London Lions and this new version, the all powerful Huge spending, monolith that they're they're building at the copper box. I mean, you, you know a lot of those guys that are there. And you, yeah. What's your view of what what is going on? Because everyone in British basketball is looking like Byron Mullins is coming in, Andre Liggins is coming in. I mean, it's it's a whole new ball game. I mean, you, do you look at it and eyes wide open, eyebrows raised, mouth jaw dropping? And I mean, I never know what to expect, man. Um, especially. <laughs> Especially when, if it's a team's first year doing something, you don't know, man. Because like again, if you don't know any better, you can't do any better. So if you've never been in that competition, you've never experienced it, you've never done it. Of course, they're going to be growing pains, but you know um, they're building a very strong roster, which is amazing. You know, um, the energy is there. Like everything is in the right place. Everyone's heart and mind is in the right place, and you know, quite you know, quite frankly, the lines have been steadily building steadily building over the years you know so for them to be at this point you know hats off to them like a couple of years ago when Leicester was in Europe 
you know, um, I was playing in the league that year, but Leicester was my favorite team in Europe, and that's how it is this year. Like, you know, regardless of where I play, the Lions are going to be my favorite team in Europe because, you know, the, like the way I see it is, is if they do well, it's going to help all British basketball players because then people are going to look at Europe like, hold on, what's going on over there? Like, what's going to look at the UK? Like, what's going on over there? They're winning it. They, they, they be this team, they be that team from this country or from that country. <clears throat> and it's the same way with um with the GB team, you know, like we experienced a little bit of success over the last two years and, you know, it starts to change things. It starts to change the perception of British basketball. And it, it might not be something that helps me, but if it's going to help, you know, the next generation, the generation after that, just be respected more when it, when it, when it comes to negotiation time and contract time and, opportunities and things like that and you know it's beautiful and that's why I am fully behind the London Lions because that's I mean you talked about you know the basketball England and the you know the registration issue it's so big a thing for for British players when they go abroad is that disrespect to British basketball from other countries probably a lot of it well founded based on past experience but do you believe that Lions doing well would actually really be transformational in that respect Maybe not initially, but I mean, it's something. It's something to hang your hat on because at the end of the day, it's all leverage, you know. Like, it's all like, like well, the first thing people are gonna say is like, oh well, you know, where are you from? What do you do? And like, what's going on over there? And if you, if lions do well, I, I mean, if lions, ima- imagine best case scenario, absolute best case scenario, lions win the basketball champions league this year. You know, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna, it's, I can only see it doing a lot more good than bad. You know, and then um, you know, worst case scenario, don't know they lose a couple of games, but they do well. They they compete how Leicester did, and you know you build on that. You know, so I don't know. Like it might do well. It might be it might be something positive in the short term. It might take a bit longer, but you know, a big some a big moniker in basketball is that like winning cures all all problems, right? So I'm I'm hopeful that Lions doing well is gonna help at least the way that you know people are looked at you know i mean again the best case scenario is Lions do really well in the the champions league and in europe and you know lose a significant amount of games in the bbl then that's really going to make people oh wait wait what's going on over there in europe in in england Uh, there's other teams that can play there's players over there there's coaches over there there's organizations that's doing the right thing maybe we should get behind them and help them yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, from all the tastes you've played, I mean, you remember I mean, the countries that you've been to, you know, Italy, Ukraine, Lebanon, Greece, Spain. I mean, it's there's lots of different varieties of, of setups in different countries and business side of, I guess, in different countries is, is very different as well. How, how important is it for you? And we talk about taking charge of the brand. How important is it for you now to not just rely on an agent to to be in kind of control of your own destiny when it comes to negotiating the the business side of basketball. I mean, it's always been important. I mean, one of the things you have to remember with the agent is that you have to figure out <coughs> where is your where do your agents alliances like. Now, a lot a lot of agents will, you know, not necessarily push their just say. I've got I've got the cat over here. He's going crazy. <laughs> I've got I've got a lot of agents who are like not necessarily push the agenda of the player because they want to keep everything sweet with the GM of of a particular team because they've been sending players back and forth 
for five yeah. years, you know, and they want to keep sending players back and forth in the future. And the money that you get from one player is not going to equal, you know, that relationship with the GM. So quite often, you know, if you're not in the know, if you don't really know what's going on, you might think that an agent has got your back when they're looking out for you, but only to a certain extent. So it's important that you know how to talk to people. You know how to negotiate. It's important that, you know, when, you're, when your agent says, like, oh, no, well, this is the absolute best we're going to get that, that's not the only thing you're falling back on. Because quite often teams bank on the fact that, you know, especially at this time of the summer, it's August, it's almost September, a lot of guys are getting desperate. Like, oh, season's been over for a while. Like, the normal season, April, it'll be, it'll be finished in June. June the latest. June, July, August, September. Like, a lot of guys are like, oh, I need a contract. It's been three months. And guys are willing to take anything. And so, teams will lowball you, you know. So, when you start to understand those type of things and you're able to say no to something you don't like and you know how to negotiate for something and you know that initially teams are going to come in at one price, so you can bargain or, you know, you know, or if you don't, if you don't need the agent for a certain situation, then don't use the agent. So there's a big, there's a big, um, understanding the business part of it all is very important. And I guess in the UK, the next thing we need is a, is a, is a union. Which has been talked about a lot more. I mean, what do you think that, that would make the biggest impact? Because, you know, obviously we've had clubs collapse, players have money, Etc. Etc. But that that's happened a lot of times over the years. Now I'm you know been around this long enough to remember that the old basketball players association, which was quite robust in getting involved. I mean, do you think that there's always the aspect of representing the players' interests? But do you sense that that organisation could also positively contribute in the way that the NBA version does? Oh uh, well, again, I mean, it's something it's something to explore. You know, you have to look at how it's done maybe not how the NBA does it because it's very different. Like the money that's going around there and, you know, it's the stuff the the way it's intended to protect players or help players is very different from what someone in the UK might need or, you know, so what model do you follow? Like what country has something that we can look at and say that, like, okay, this can work for us and this can be beneficial and it's you know, how do you approach it in that manner rather than just be naive and say, "Oh, the NBA does it, so we should have it." You know, like so. It, it's it's a lot deeper than that. But I think what it, what does need to be done is, you know, it, it like the importance of a union can look at like how certain funds are allocated, how players are taken care of. Like I think that I think at the built at the moment the BBL contract says that the standard BBL contract says that if you get injured, like you know, the first month you get paid. If you're injured, the second month you have to pay a third month you don't get any money and that's ridiculous that doesn't happen in any other job it doesn't happen in any other country you know as a as a player so and again if you don't know about these type of things then you know then you get then you're asked out and a, a union can address things like that um when um i think when, when covid hit and the bbl was asking for a grant from the government in order to start playing again you know and you know, just any type of funding or fund money or funding. You know, there's a certain a certain aspect of that, a certain element of that should go to the players because, you know, or players should at least understand how some of it is being spent. And again, a union would address that because it's not just COVID isn't just affecting the BBO and the owners. You know, it affects the players. 
Um, it's like that with everything in the league. Last thing, I mean, the, the other extension of the AGP empire is your coaching business and you're doing stuff, you know, in schools and, and outreach work. Is there a future for Ashley Hamilton in coaching as well? Or is it is it is it entrepreneurship or what, what's what stage three, four? I'm not sure what, what's after basketball, but, you know, what, do you see yourself as a coach? I, I mean, I never say no to opportunity, you know, like if, if that's something that's brought across brought to me then you know possibly uh, I feel I definitely feel like I can coach I study the game you know I talk to coaches I ask questions um, I'm willing to pay my dues if I have to go you know like I, I don't expect you know to I don't expect any handout so you know who knows maybe but um, you know I do coaching I, I coach for free at the moment and that's simply because I just want to see guys do better and I want to and I want to help guys and that's really where that's I guess that's how AGP sports started because you know I had the foundation and I was helping guys in the summer and I was I was actually training guys like, so, so all the workouts and stuff that I've done over the years in different places different trainers I was doing that with guys and you know not because I wanted recognition or I wanted to charge money I just don't feel like at this point in the UK you can charge people for that because guys don't have that, you know, guys, they don't have that, you know, but if you build a system where, you know, you got money coming in and, you know, it's from, from the bottom and, you know, that you're not, you're not worrying, you're not worried about overcharging guys to pay your bills, then yes, then you can start focusing on, you know, charging a bit more at the elite level because now you have guys at the elite level getting paid elite money. So I guess... I don't know. I'm not sure I answered the question. I, I, I tend to go on tangents sometimes, but I don't know, maybe I'll coach in the future. Who knows? But the way I see myself and the way I see life is, uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on an entrepreneurial journey, figuring it out. I'm learning, you know, and taking taking things step at steps at a time. But um, started with the social media. I kind of stumbled into it. I didn't think I was going to be a social media guru, but it's fallen into that. So now, now I'm just figuring out, you know, the next steps and how to how to move forward as I build my little empire. And it sounds like the next step is some baby food. So we should let you go on that. You can follow Ashley on social, Twitter, Instagram. Keep up to date with him at AGP Hamilton. Ashley, continued success with Daddydom and everything else. And thanks yeah. for joining us. Mark, um, just quickly, like uh, one of the things, like I, I noticed, like on the intro, you said you got a sponsor for the for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like just just stuff like that. Like I just feel like you know the fact that you have that and you know what you've been doing. You you said this episode what seventy what seventy five seventy five. I mean you know like, first of all congratulations. Thank you. But you know just the fact that you know it's doable and it's possible. And when you build something that you know you can get a sponsor to help you out and and that's really that's really what the 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 crux of what I do is about you know just to help people realize you know you can do this you just you know go out there put yourself out there work put a lot of work in and you know slowly start to build something well, keep working hard thanks Ashley yeah man
That is it for this edition of the MVP cast brought to you with those lovely sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Give them a follow on social media at T Compliance Limited. And of course, you can get all our previous editions at MVP247.com or subscribe via your preferred podcast provider. If you want to reach out to me, get me on Twitter at Mark Britball. Another edition of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. I'm Mark Woods. It's bye for now.